Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, if you stick a 225 in front of there. That'll reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. And we really appreciate folks out of town who give us a call. It kind of gives us a little different perspective. We'd the... really like to hear from you this morning. That's right. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? If you do not know how to get a live feed, there are a number of ways. Of course, a lot of folks out of town listen to us on podcasts, be it Stitcher or maybe iTunes or any of the other fine podcast services out there. But you're getting a recorded feed that's available after the event. Yeah, exactly. If you want to actually listen to us live, iHeartRadio does a real good job of broadcasting a live feed. And, of course, you can go to iHeart and you can search through the parent station that broadcasts our show is WJBO 1150 AM in Baton Rouge. So you'd have to look that up. Right. Now, a much easier way is go to our website and click on the podcast section, and you'll see a stopwatch over to your left-hand side, and it's got a time that counts down to the show. Whereas you can look at there six days in advance, it'll tell you exactly how long it is to the next show. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Now, when it gets to one hour, you can actually click on that stopwatch, and it'll bring you to a live feed of the show. That's even better. Even better. <laughs> so, hey, that's just another way you can listen to us live, and that way you can call in, get your questions answered, and also win a free ICO t-shirt. How about that? That's right. Farthest caller from, uh, farthest from Baton Rouge, caller. Louisiana this morning? That's right. From any point in the world, you just give us a call. We're going to get your address and your size preference. We'll get an ICO t-shirt out to you, USPS, on Monday morning. That is correct. I think you got Elizabeth doing that every morning, every Monday morning. That's part of her job now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, Elizabeth has really, really come along. She started out more or less just kind of helping us get this, that, and the other done. And of course, we keep loading more and more things on her. Hey, <laughs> load her till she breaks, and then we can back off a little yeah, bit. Back off, just back off a squeak. That's right. Keep loading till she groans, and then back off a squeak. That's it. Yeah, she's a good kid. She's doing doing a real good job for us and really helping us out with our workflow. Why you on the website? couple of other things you might want to look at while you're on there you know number one is the detailed topics which is sort of the real meat of the site that's where the real information is at put one on there this morning on direct injection right and a lot of folks this is actually a fellow wrote me an email says hey why don't you do something on direct injection and this is sort of a old technology that's just kind of coming along now it's not really new but it's new to us because Direct injected gasoline engines are something that's only been out a few years, and Ford's making a big, big gamble with them. They're putting a lot of it on their vehicles, like with the EcoBoost six-cylinder and even the five-liter is a direct injected engine. GM's got a handful of them, and likely they're going to be more and more of a factor in the future. But if you want to know what direct injection is, how it works, what are the benefits, what are the drawbacks, this is the article you need to read. Pop on there and take a look around. I think it'll give you a lot of good information, kind of let you know what's going on. And it certainly has benefits, but it has some drawbacks also, or I guess some, like all engineering, when you gain one thing, you're going to lose something else. Right, and we're kind of looking at it from a standpoint of, of more maintenance in the future. Well, that's right, and it's just something you kind of need to be aware of before you go out go there and, and plunk down 40 grand to buy Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of other things you can do. Of course, you can do the Agco Auto Quick Quiz, and you can win a free Agco t-shirt. You can register on the site, which gives you a whole bunch of other benefits and things that you can do right there's also the vehicle questions which is a short to the point answer to a particular question exactly right there's over a thousand of those on there and that may give you an answer to whatever you're looking for right there that, if not you can send me an email and i'll get an answer right back to you at url is www.agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o.com easy way to remember that's take the acronym altazan's garage company 
That's right. And you go there and look around. I think you really enjoy it. Hey, we're going to our phone lines with Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Lewis. How's everything? Doing great, sir. I've got a 2002 Explorer. Uh huh. And thanks to you, you've kept it going pretty well. well I, good I really, deal. I really like it. Well, good deal. And you've done a good job for me. But it's time to go up a little bit. And I'm right now. I'm going to Mississippi to look at a car, and I want to get your opinion on it. Okay. It's a Mountaineer, which is a, like an Explorer. Yes, sir. Pretty uh-huh. much the same vehicle. And I'm obeying your comment about it's a 2007. Okay. So they, to they were still pretty range. decent up to there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it's loaded, and I'm not, I didn't really want the eight-cylinder. Mm-hmm. I've got a six now. Yes, sir. Is eight pretty good? Not bad. That's probably going to be a 4.6 liter, Bill. The 4.6 was really not a terribly problematic engine it was pretty basic when they went to the 5.4 and stuck a third valve into that engine is where they really started getting more problems Mm -hmm. in my opinion they're both Mm -hmm. basically the same modular engine but different cylinder heads and a different timing configuration on the uh, 5.4.3 valve but the 4.6.2 valve is a pretty reliable engine it's been around a long long time they use it in the town car and in the crown vic and in the grand marquee i mean there's millions of them out there they had a little bit of problem early on with a plastic intake, but they fixed that in 2001. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not real opposed to that engine. You know, six cylinder give you a little better gas mileage, but those don't get bad mileage. And I adhere to your thoughts on you don't want a lot of uh, gadgets. Gadgets, <laughs> yeah, sir. Uh-huh. And, and this, and I don't want these gadgets, but they're on this car. Yeah, all wheel drive and four by four. Yeah, wow. Bill, what that's going to do if you don't need those features. That is going to really complicate maintenance. It's going to really complicate problems down the road because you're paying a whole lot of maintenance costs. Maybe the vehicle doesn't cost a lot more, but you're paying a lot more in maintenance costs because you got almost probably a third more moving parts under the vehicle. Uh So things like, oh, let's say the transmission has to be removed for some reason. Let's say you got Mm -hmm. a rear main seal leaking. Well, that Mm -hmm. goes from about a three-hour job to about a 10-hour job because now you have to remove all this stuff. Another problem is you got a lot of drive shafts and stuff that all have U-joints that are turning under there. Mm-hmm. So unless you're making an incredibly good deal on it, let's say you're buying it $3,000 under the normal selling price, well, now you can afford to take some risk. But mm-hmm. if you don't need all-wheel drive, I just don't know that I wouldn't look for a vehicle maybe that didn't have that feature. Another thing is you're turning a lot more components so your fuel mileage is going to go down some. There's more stuff being turned. It takes more power to turn all this stuff. And it's always rotating, so it's all wearing out. It, that's going to be kind of a problematic feature for you, I think. But yeah. Again, if you're buying it cheap enough to where you can afford some extra repair down the road, then that's mm-hmm. great. Or you just love the vehicle. Other than that, that's going to be okay. But you're paying for something that you're not going to really be using for the most yeah. part. Right. All right. All righty. I appreciate it. Okay, Miss Bill, thank you. Good All luck right. to you, man. Bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, that is area code 225. And that will get you here from anywhere in the continental United States, and we'd love to hear from you this morning. There you go. I always want to hear people's perspective on things. If you've got a car that won't stop, won't start. That's it. Either one. Give us a call. <laughs> Squeaking, squealing. Get you Want to know what kind of oil you should be using, how often you ought to be changing, any one of those things. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. 
travel my way take the highway that's the best mike roan here with baton rouge's newest talk show my oh mayan dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end december 21st 2012 Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and brie the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right. Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month? Do strawberry Pop-Tarts count as fruit? No, not last time I checked. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tween to us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526, and we'll be glad to put you right straight up to the top of the list. During the break, we were talking a little bit about vibrations and stuff like that. And I had a gentleman that called earlier in the week, and he's building a hot rod. And I don't recall what type of body he's using, but he put it on a Corvette chassis. Okay. Which, hey, you got my respect. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> He's apparently very, very mechanically inclined, and he's building this car. But he says now that he's got it just about where he wants it, I thought he hadn't painted it or put the interior in it yet. But he said he's got an annoying vibration about uh-huh. 40 miles an hour that he just can't figure out. And he was asking some tips. And one of the things he told me is, well, I've had the front end aligned. And that's kind of a common misconception. A lot of people confuse alignment with vibration. Right. And alignment can do a lot of things. I mean, it can wear tires. It'll make a car pull, steering wheel off center, but it does not vibrate. Right. You have to have a rotating mass to vibrate. That's right. Something has to be turning to vibrate. And alignment doesn't turn. The tires turn that you are aligning, but it really is a separate issue. So anytime you've got a vibration, the last place you can start looking is with wheel alignment. And we're going to take a couple of these calls we got, but we'll talk a little bit more about vibration when Great. we come back. We got Brandon online. Good morning, Brandon. Hello, how are you? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good, good. Hey, I'm going for that T-shirt. I am calling from Shasta Lake, California. Wow, you're probably going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I'd say you got a lock on that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question. I, I'm really into the '70s Chevys. Yes, sir. Uh, pickup, mm-hmm. and a, a good friend of mine has one of the four by four models, and. It's a nice truck, and, mm-hmm. and I'm fairly handy. What he had was, he wants to sell it to me really cheap. Okay. And what he had was, he pulled the intake off, or he pulled the carburetor off. I mm-hmm. can't remember. He ended up dropping a bolt down into the motor. Okay. Okay, and he said he fired it up, and he heard it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he shut it off. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I know the short answer is, it probably caused some damage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no question about um, that. Definitely. Yeah, so I have one of those little video scopes with the light on the end yes, and i'm sir. wondering is it possible to go through the spark plug hole and look inside and actually visibly see if oh, there yeah. was some damage yeah you can see in the hole now brandon this is going to be damaged if a bolt went through because when that piston comes up the bolt uh-huh. has nowhere to be and it's going to probably get wedged between one of the valves and the piston you're going to end up pulling the head off at very least and possibly replacing the motor just depending on what wow. has happened so you got to kind of factor that in. Now, 
if you were buying this as a daily driver that you could just get in and go, that would probably be a deal killer for you. But if you're buying it for something that you're going to restore anyway, I don't know that that's a deal killer as long as you're buying it cheap enough because probably part of a restoration is maybe changing the motor anyway. And I'm, right, I'm right. presupposing that, but you're not necessarily going to have to totally replace the engine, but it depends if the bolt got caught between the piston and the cylinder wall. Well, it's going to uh-huh. gouge the cylinder wall. Now you're into a new engine. Right. If right. it just got caught between, say, the piston and a valve, it being a valve, you may get by just putting another valve in it. It would just depend on where it is, but it's not going to go out because there's no way for it to get out other than go through the valves. So you're going to probably be into pulling the uh-huh. cylinder head on the side that's right. affected. Looking inside, if the cylinder wall is all in good, good shape, well, you got lucky, and you could probably send the head out, maybe have the valve replaced. If it didn't tear too much up, it'd probably knock some dents on the top of the piston, which yeah. isn't necessarily detrimental. If it didn't break the piston or form it, then you may be able to get by not having to deal with that. And again, if it's something you're restoring, probably at some point in this restoration project, you're going to want to put another motor in it anyway. So it just depends on the way you buy. If you're buying it cheap enough to where you can afford to do some things, and the rest of the truck's in really good shape, well, hey, yeah, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be a deal killer for me. Gotcha. Okay, understood. All right, very good. Thank you. Okay, Brandon, hang on. Let me get your name and address and size preference, and I'll get an Agco T-shirt out to you. Appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. 499-9526 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive iron course, if you're calling from out of state like Brandon, you just put 225 in front of there, and that'll get you right straight to us. We always appreciate hearing from out of state people. Sure. We like to get a different perspective of what's going on around the country. Well, that's right. And when you have folks calling from Michigan or North Dakota somewhere, they have a totally different set of circumstances than we have Def- in South Louisiana. Most definitely. We don't ever see, nor will we ever see, 30 below zero. <laughs> <laughs> Thank course, God. Yeah, of course, we routinely see 105 degrees. So. Yeah, well, you give one for the other, and That's right. I'm accustomed to the 105, so yeah, I, can live I, with think that. I'm just, I think I'm just going to stay in South Louisiana. Yeah, I believe I'll just go ahead and stay Around the Gulf here. Coast somewhere. Well, I, I made it 60 years here, so I reckon I'll go ahead and make a new, couple more. There you go. Although I do like seeing other areas. Hey, it's a nice place to visit. Oh, it is. I and, just don't know if I want to live there. Well, one of my favorite places to visit is up the East Coast, like New York and, and that we always go up the east coast every year uh-huh. normally around christmas time when it's kind of cold up there right and i just love seeing all the the differences the difference in architecture and just the different ways that things are laid out and all it's just kind of culture shock from south louisiana but that's the truth both are pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about vibrations and such as that and i think the key to diagnosing a vibration at least for me, is to figure out when does the vibration occur and what affects it. Correct. Because you can spend a whole, whole lot of money if you just say, well, let's go balance tires, let's go change the U-joints, let's go do this. You're basically guessing at that point. And that's the way it is with most ways people work. You yeah, know, well, just they don't, guess and throw no, parts, guess they don't and throw know parts. what else to do, so they just make a guess. Or exactly. They get advice from someone who really doesn't, doesn't know, know anything. Right. And when you do that, you're more or less qualifying yourself for the maximum expenditure. So what you need instead is to try to determine what things affect the vibration. Now, the very first thing you want to do, just because it occurs at 45 miles an hour, doesn't necessarily mean that it is a chassis-type problem because the engine is also turning a certain RPM at 45 miles an hour. Correct. So what you would first do is with the car sitting still, bring the RPM up to the same range that is turning at 45 mile an hour and see if the vibration is still there. And if the vibration is not there, 
then you can eliminate the engine running performance You can problem. forget about the motor. You can forget about the transmission and all that because right. it's not going to be a torque converter. It's not going to be a flywheel out of balance. Because if it were, then it could do it sitting still. Exactly. Now, if it only does it, well, let me back up just a little bit. Let's say it is still there. Okay. Well, now we're looking at motor type things. So the next step might be to go in and maybe remove the belt from the engine temporarily, crank it up, do the same thing, and see if the vibration's still there. If vibration's gone, well, now it's one of the accessories turned by the belt. If vibration's still there, then we know it's something else. Another step might be to go in, loosen the bolts on a torque converter, push the torque converter back into the transmission housing so that it's no longer turned. Again, bring it to the same RPM and see if the vibration's gone. Correct. Vibration's gone, well, now we're into a torque converter balance issue. Vibration's still there, we're into something else with the motor. Now, if the vibration cannot be duplicated with the car sitting still, well, now we know it's something that only turns when you go down the road. Right. So, again, there are things you can do to kind of more or less eliminate some things like for instance wheels and tires are only going to achieve a certain speed at that speed if it only happens at 45 mile an hour well the wheels and tires are only turning that speed at At 45 mile an hour correct however if you take and shift down to a lower gear what you can do is you can bring the drivetrain up to a higher rpm at the same speed and see if that affects the problem Mm -hmm. the same thing if you Put it into neutral while you're at that speed and see if the vibration is still there. Because if, let's say, we've got a vibration at 45, we take the car up to 55, we put it in neutral, let it coast back down through that range. No vibration. Right. You know. We know there's probably not going to be a wheel and tire issue because the wheels and tires are still turning 45 mile an hour. Exactly. But now the the drivetrain is not, and it's unloaded. So, therefore, we're going to start looking for a drivetrain type issue. Uh So, these are the kinds of procedure. Nothing that we said is, well, go buy a scan tool or go get this or go get that. Right. You ain't spent a dime. You hadn't spent a lot of money. All you've spent is just a little bit of time. And look at the things you've eliminated. You've eliminated having to go get a front alignment. You've eliminated going balance your wheels. You've eliminated all these things. And you've moved much, much closer to finding the actual problem. Correct. So just a systematic approach like that can save you just a bevy of money. So that's kind of the way you need to try to go about solving those types of problems. Let's go back to our phone lines with Dave. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Good morning. I, I have a question for you. you bet. I'm replacing the upper plenum on a GMC. It's a, not a Monte Carlo, a Chevy Lumina. Okay. Uh-huh. And the plenum is plastic. And yes, sir. below it, there's a gasket. There yes, is. Sir. That gasket has a tube that on the bottom is about six inches long with a 90-degree angle. And I was wondering which way does that orient because it doesn't appear to connect to anything at all. It's inside the yeah. intake. It, yeah, it's, That's it, probably it's the EGR the... feed tube is what I think you're talking about. Right. Well, very could be because there's a plastic piece. that. Yeah, if, it's, if it's inside the intake and it's kind of carboned up looking, kind of dirty looking. Well, that's how the old one looks. This yeah, other yeah, one exactly. Right. Yeah, it's going to plug into a port in that intake manifold, the lower intake, that actually ducks exhaust gas up into the intake. Okay. And that was a source of a lot of problems on those because on the original design, that tube was a little too close to that plastic, and it gets real hot. Okay, now and we're talking it, your tube? It is, yes. Okay, now I'm talking literally on the gasket. It uh, goes in between, and it looks like a fancy gasket. There's a plastic tube in the center of it that uh, faces down towards lower intake, and there's nowhere to connect that at all. I'm not familiar with that, Dave. I wish I could see what you're talking about. Just yeah, yeah. for some reason, yeah, this is a 3.8-liter engine? It's a 3.8-liter, yes, sir. I know there's a plastic tube that comes out of the 
tensioner and goes up into the intake. That's the bypass tube, and on the yeah. other side of the tensioner, it comes out and goes down into the engine block. Yeah, it's it's, two, it's uh, like an L-shaped tube with no ring on either end. Uh, yeah, no, no. Those tubes I replaced with okay. the outside okay. of the engine. Yeah, I'm this not is, familiar with this tube, yeah. Dave. I'd have to see it to tell you. I just it doesn't ring a bell with Which me. Which way right, was well, it oriented on the last gasket, on the old one? Well, it looked like it was going sideways when it came out, but it was kind of loose. It was okay. Yeah, it's. I don't think it connects to anything. I'm guessing if it had a supercharge or some other different type of vehicle. You know that isn't normally aspirated. It may go there. But Maybe so. Kind of, yeah, I'm it, just not familiar with that. I've seen a lot been, of those off, and again, I don't just don't recall that too. Maybe I've just never run across one that came apart or something. If Jeff, one of the guys that do a lot of those intakes, were here, they could probably answer that for you. If you want, if you can't figure it out, Dave, send me an email, and I'll ask one of the guys at the shop that do that work all the time, and they'd probably be more familiar with it than I would. I just don't recall exactly what tube that could be. All right, I'll do that. Well, Alrighty. thank you very much. Okay, Dave, thanks, Bye-bye. man. Thanks for calling. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. I can't think of exactly what tube that could be, unless it's part of maybe the PCV system. It has been, I guess, a year since I've taken one of them engines apart, and yeah. I don't remember it being well, in there. Jeff and Chris do most of them, or Paul Michael right. do most of those jobs and kind of look over the shoulder once in a while, but I don't recall ever seeing that exact part and it could be an option maybe that's peculiar to just that one car like you said maybe it's the supercharged car uses a different upper plenum it's not uh-huh. the same so it couldn't be that but it could be something that maybe it was an option on that one vehicle or something just not real familiar with exactly what i don't either what tube that is he's talking about hey we're gonna take another quick little break and we'll be right back with more in the automotive hour Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I'm up the creek. So what did you do? I maxed out all my credit cards, sold my stocks, my house, and my boat so I could travel the world before the world ended. Kept my 85 Mustang, though. Well, one thing I can recommend is to take your car in for regular maintenance at Agco Automotive. By taking care of your car, you'll save money in the long run by not having to pay for huge repairs. And with the money you save, you can pay down some of that debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. There's one other big problem. I sold all my vital organs on a website in Uzbekistan, and now someone named Aziz keeps showing up on my caller ID. Well, hmm. Lay low, brother. Lay low. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we've got Diane online. Good morning, Diane. Hey, how are you doing? Doing great, ma'am. Good morning. I don't really have a repair question, okay. but um, I thought that might, this might be an opportunity because of the listeners that you have. Mm-hmm. My daughter's getting married in May, mm-hmm. and we are looking for a truck from mm-hmm. the 50s or the 60s. Okay. Oh, wow. She wants to leave the ceremony in an old truck. Uh-huh. She prefers blue, There's a, or there's a mint green out there, or a burnt orange. I tell you what, there's an antique car club in Baton Rouge. Yeah, how do you get in touch with them? If you send me an email with your phone number, yeah, I've got one of the members as a good customer of mine, and I'll okay. give him your phone number and have him contact you. Wonderful. But wonderful. they do that. I know they rent cars out to movies and all, all the time. 
And yeah, a lot of times there's about a man in St. Francisville that does that. Yeah, I, and he's probably a member of this organization. Most of the folks yeah, who have these old cars always, are. He's not always there at his warehouse. Right. Yeah, so I know there's an email. Uh, just go to agcoauto.com and then hit contact, and that'll get it straight okay. to me. Okay. All Thank right. you so okay, much. Okay, Diane. Yes, ma'am. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Angela on the line. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. My husband has a 2007 Dodge Ram. Okay. And it's the driver's side headlight. He's changed it over and over, and it keeps going out. Okay. I don't think it's the bulb. What no. else would it be? <laughs> Almost every time, Angela, when you have repeated failure on a headlight, it's because the socket that goes where the headlight plugs in, the connections are either loose or burned. And what okay. it does is it pulses the electrical charge. You might not see it with your eye because it may be too rapid, yeah. but that constant pulsing will knock that bulb out in probably three or four months. Okay. So almost every time that's going to be the socket. And if you look at it real close, you may see it's discolored. It may be kind of shiny where the plastics got hot or the little terminals will be spread open too much. They sell that. It's called a pigtail because it's curly Wait, like a pigtail. Yeah, just tell me you need a headlight pigtail. And headlight pigtail. Headlight pigtail. If it's only one bulb affected, that's almost always going to be the case. If all yeah. the bulbs are burning out too fast, you could have something like a voltage regulator stuck in the alternator and too much voltage in the system, but that would affect every bulb equally. If it's always the same bulb, it's going to be a, usually a bad connection at that bulb, and most common is the socket. Now, one other question. Is there any moisture in that lens? I don't know. Yeah, yeah if it's, it's got a bulb, right. and it, let's say the bulb is ruptured or it's cracked and moisture is getting in, that will also knock out because the bulbs get incredibly hot. Right, and a little bit of moisture yep. splashes on them, they, they'll break like that. Right, they'll they keep going out, but it's going to be something like that. Okay. All righty. All right, thank you. Thanks yes, for calling. Bye-bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Ross on the line. Good morning, Ross. Well, hello. We've got a Pontiac Montana van, old five model. Uh huh. And it's uh, indicating my engine oxygen sensor is bad. And I was just wondering on that: does the wire on the oxygen sensor just pull off? Or does it have to twist or what to come off of it? It's got a place you have to push in. It's got like an ear on it that keeps it from coming unplugged when it shouldn't. you got to press in on that ear and then pull it, and it'll come apart. But, Ross, the code does not say the oxygen sensor's bad. There is no code that says an oxygen sensor's bad. It yeah, says it's it, out of it range. It says it's out of range or it says the heating element is not working, and there's about two dozen things that can cause that. So changing yeah. the oxygen sensor is going to be an expensive lesson for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like $60, I think. So okay, yeah, that's you, for an aftermarket you, right. one. And when you put that in there, then you're going to have more problems. You have to go back and get the real one from the GM dealer, which will cost you even more. You're fixing the head down a real expensive road, Ross. I see it every single day. What you need to do is get somebody to check that and tell you for sure that's the problem. Because the auction sensor being out of range could be something like a, a vacuum leak. Yeah, a vacuum leak. Too much. It could fuel. be a spark plug that's bad. It could be a vacuum line off. It could be any number of things, and the sensor saying it's out of range. Well, it may be out of range because fuel air mixture is wrong. It okay. could be a heater problem because the relay that works it is not working, right. and the heater's not coming on. So there is no code that says the oxygen sensor is bad. It's going to be about 10 different codes. One of them is going to be sensor out of range. One of them is going to be heater element not working. There's all kinds of codes. So you need to yeah. find out, number one, what the code is, what the code's trying to tell you. Then you need to go in and manually test and see why. You, know, you could have a squirrel get up in there and chew the wire, and that might be why it's on. <laughs> so you're going to put an oxygen sensor in there that's not as good as the one you're taking out because the one you got in there is a GM original equipment part, and you're putting a piece of junk from a parts store that was made in China. Ain't going to work. 
it's going to throw another code. So what you're going to you be ne- chasing your tail you're gonna for be, a while. Yeah, you're fixing to go spend about four or five hundred dollars to probably fix a hundred dollar problem. All right, got you. All right, so get somebody to check that, let you know what that code is, not a parts store. Somebody knows what they're doing, tell you what the problem is, and then get an original equipment, AC Delco, oxygen sensor, and put back in there. If not, you'll end up with more problems. You'll end up buying a catalytic converter and everything else. I've seen people take something like this and turn it into a $1,000 issue. Gotcha. All righty. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, Ross, thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All 499-9526, a number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Dale online. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? Doing morning? great, sir. Good morning. Good. Just a bit of information for that lady called looking for that old model pickup truck for the wedding. Uh-huh. If I'm not mistaken, they got an antique car show in New Roads this weekend. Yeah, there's actually a couple of them. There's one in New Roads, and there's one out at LSU at the right. Ag Center. On you Sunday. On Sunday. Yeah, the New Roads is Saturday, and the one at the Ag Center is Sunday. Yeah, and she could probably drive out there and look and take her choice and say, hey, look, man, could you drive in my wedding for me? Very, very good suggestion. And, you know, most of the folks who have those cars love showing them off. And if I had one, I'd love showing it off. (laughs) No joke. Look, y'all have a good weekend. All right, Dale. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. And yeah, that's a great idea. The one out at LSU is at the Ag Center. I think it's a chili cook-off. And a, yeah, there's a whole big event going on yeah, out there. Yeah, a whole there. big old thing. This I think is you, just part of it. You can buy a ticket to sample the chili, or you can buy a bowl of chili. There you go. I might have to get a get both of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go back to the phone lines with Tim. Good morning, Tim. Oh, hey, good morning. Hey, I'm calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow, wow. okay, um, great. I love listening to you guys. You guys are so awesome. I've learned so much from you guys. Oh, um, I've been listening to your podcast for months and months and months. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've called. Okay. Okay, so I've got a 2000 Honda Civic. It has about 180,000 miles okay. about 14 years ago. Yes, sir. So I'm thinking about what's going to happen if and when this car ever dies, because it's so good, it'll probably never die. <laughs> I, I've been researching cars uh-huh. for years now and the thing that scares me is i want to get either a new subaru a new accord Mm -hmm. or a new ultimate but they all come with those sealed cvts that makes me real nervous yeah i'm not real happy with those either tim there's virtually no rebuilding to those when and if they do go out nissan in my experience has had some trouble with those i know we've changed several of the nissan transmissions honda i really have not seen a lot of problems with the cvts and Subaru is not real big down here, so I'm not familiar with it. But from what I understand, it's a pretty decent car. I would probably go online and see what things people are having trouble with on it and kind of make my decision based on that. If Subaru is a real popular car in your area, which it probably is, that's great because I understand they're a good car. Just down here, there's not much use for them and there's not many dealers for them. And so people that buy them down here are generally pretty disappointed with them. Not so much the car, but trying to get it serviced and all. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that about Subarus down there, mm-hmm. uh, but up here, every third person. That, yeah, you know, because they're all-wheel drive, and they, and they really fit a niche, and they hit a real good market in the northeast and northwest. But, you know, I would probably, Tim, try to keep the one I've got going as long as I could, certainly to buy you more time to do some more research. And that little car may have another 140 in it as long as it's been taken care of. It's, you're not ever going to get one probably quite as good as what you had. That's kind of just the reality of life. They're just not building that car anymore. No, no one it's, is. It's just amazing. I mean, I change the oil, I change all the fluids, mm-hmm. and it just runs and runs. Oh, absolutely. And runs. Right. It's just fantastic. And, so. you know, with that kind of care, yeah, that thing may go on another 140000 so I wouldn't be too quick to jump up and do something unless you're just ready for another car. I mean, that uh-huh. car may have a lot of life left in it. 
that just did. 14 years, my wife's getting a little tired of it. <laughs> I understand. Just do your research. I just put an article on the site. You might want to read that on buying a new car. And it's got a lot of tips, maybe some things you hadn't thought of. But pop on in and read that article. That may give you some more input into it. I've read it, and I love it. I've read oh. almost all your articles. Oh, well, so. great, great. Thank you, guys. Hey, Tim, Thank hang on. So I'm going to get you an Agco T-shirt out that way. Sweet. Hold on, man. All right, thanks. Uh-huh. 499-9526. Number, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd certainly love to have you. And we've got Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Hey, yeah, I'm here. I got a question for you. I sure. got a 2003 Chevy Silverado. Okay. 2500. Yes, sir. And my speedometer is out and my battery gauge is out, but all my other gauges are Yes, sir. Right? Uh, Mark, how many miles on it? 190. Yeah, so you're yeah. way out of warranty on it. See, they've got a recall on that, but it's only up to 70,000 miles. What happens, the little stepper motors that run those gauges are notorious for going out. They were just cheap junk that GM used. Usually the speedometer goes out first because it moves the most. Eventually every gauge will go out. The tack will go out. The fuel gauge, every, every one of them will fail. Now, GM sells a remanufactured cluster, but they're real pricey. And if you look on the internet, there are a few people who sell rebuilt ones. They'll rebuild yours for you. We used to do it at Agco, but we just got so busy doing other things. We don't have time to stop and do them any longer. But right. you can replace them. Now, on an 03, I don't think that one's going to have to be programmed, although I may be wrong. A lot of them, when you replace the cluster, you have to reprogram it. And that's right. going to require a GM scan tool. And what happens is if you go and buy a dash and put it in and don't program it, it's going to run for about 20 miles, and then it's going to shut down, and the dash is done. you got to buy another new dash. Right. So you got to be real careful with that because they don't want people to buy them and not set the mileage and then go drive them and have a different mileage indicating than what the truck actually has on it. So that's well, the reason the they do that. Works. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm saying if you get a new dash, it's going to have the mileage set to zero. you got to reprogram right. the mileage it. into it, see? And if, let's say, an unscrupulous person went in, had a truck 190,000 miles, put it in there, did not reset it, put 60,000 miles, and went and told people, I got 60,000 miles in this truck. That's what right. they're trying to prevent. So what they do is they lock it out. They'll give you 20 miles to get somewhere, but after right. that, it locks up. And if you take one out of a used vehicle, it may not work at all because it, ha- it can't be programmed because it's already locked. So your option is going to probably be to take it somewhere. We do that work a lot. It's not much labor involved, Mark, probably about an hour and a half to take it out, put it in, and program it. But the part can be kind of expensive. I guess I'll just keep using my GPS. (laughs) (laughs) That's another option, yeah. And, you know, eventually I think all the gauges will go out. Probably you'll lose your fuel gauge, you'll lose your all gauge. It's just a piece of junk the way GM built it. They, They should be shot, but, you know, that's another story. But Right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Mark, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We're going back to our phone lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, how you doing, Lewis? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I have a fairly new Nissan Rogue uh-huh. I purchased in November, okay. and it's in severe service, short trips around town. Yes, sir. I looked in the manual about oil changes and came across something I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It says you can change your oil too frequently and possibly damage the engine. Is there such a thing? Absolutely not. <laughs> I thought that was pretty strange. That's pretty strange. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, you could damage the engine changing all wrong or putting the wrong oil in it, which may be their fear. Somebody not tightening the filter up or stripping the stripping drain, drain plug. I right. guess maybe that's what they're talking about. But absolutely no way you can damage an engine changing the oil if, you do it, if it's done properly. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I, that's what I thought. I, I've never heard of anything. And I read in the menu, I says, what's this about? Yeah, yeah, they are really, really pushing those extended oil changes. One thing, I think EPA has a misguided notion that that somehow saves resources. 
But really and truly, 100% of all oil coming out of cars is recycled as heating oil, so it saves absolutely nothing. That oil is going to get burned regardless. If they don't have cars to get it out of, they're going to have to take virgin oil and burn it. So that's an, uh, just a bad argument. Another thing is the environmental impact from running around and letting the rings stick and oil leaks develop and all that is far, far worse on the environment and changing the oil. But yeah, I'd be changing it about every 3,000 under severe service. As far as Nissan's concerned, I should uh, stay with the OEM filter. Absolutely. Yeah, we always use the Nissan filter. It's a pretty good unit. It's about $7. It's a little more pricey than some, but, I mean, what's $7 every 3,000 miles? Yeah, that's not going to make you or break you. It's engineered for that engine. Yeah, that's right. So it's a good, good filter. It has a drain back good. valve in it. Okay, thank you, Lewis. Okay, Chris. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526. number of you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We've got to take one more quick little break. Robert and Chris, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh Mayan, dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. Caller, you're on the air. Mike, I really thought the world was going to end. So what did you do? You see, Mike, I quit work and streaked through the cafeteria. I maxed out my credit cards, my grass is waist high, and I can't find my dog. I think the line I bought might have eaten him. And my car won't run. Hmm. Well, first, take your car into Agco Automotive so it'll get fixed right the first time. Then, take it in for regular maintenance to save money in the long run by keeping your car in good shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Well, Mike, there is one more thing. My neighbor DVRs C-SPAN, and I promised I'd spend Sunday afternoons watching it with him. Now... I wish the world really would end. Sorry, uh, can't help you there, buddy. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we're going to our phone line. Robert's been patiently holding. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, gentlemen. Pleasure to be able to talk to you this morning. Thanks, sir. We're good. My wife and I have an 07 Saturn Aura. Yes, sir. She drives it 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. and she's been hearing, I guess what's best described, is a rush of fluids Mm -hmm. around her foot area. Yes, sir. Right after the car's been cranked up, she backs it up, she hears it, Mm -hmm. and then it kind of goes away after it warms up. Mm -hmm. I finally had an opportunity to hear it yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. And did a little research. I'm wondering if it has something to do with the coolant. Yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say, Robert. Almost every time I've seen that, it's the coolant has gotten a little bit low, and it's got right. some air in the system. That car has a very, very, very involved bleeding procedure on it to bleed the coolant out. If right. the coolant has ever been replaced and it didn't bleed it properly, it's probably got some air trapped. Or another thing is if the cap goes bad on the surge tank, it can actually draw some air in, or a hose can actually allow it to draw some air in, or any leak anywhere in it like a water pump or any of that. Check your coolant level and see if it's low first. If it's low, go ahead and top it off with some pre-mixed coolant. If it's not low, then you probably have to go through a bleeding procedure. Robert, probably the best thing is to bring that to a shop because we have trouble bleeding them at the shop. It's, it's real, real, real involved. It's probably I, way more than most do-it-yourselfers are going to tackle. I got you, Lewis. I did look at it this morning. Uh, it, there was fluid in it, but it was almost empty, way below. That yeah, yeah. Well, you got to leak somewhere. 
Then you got to yeah. find out where the leak's at. You have to fix that leak. See, it's ingested a little bit of air, and that's going to turn into corrosion because you already got a corrosive liquid, and you got dissimilar metal. So if you throw some oxygen in the mix, you're just going to eat the car up. That can get real, real expensive if you don't fix it real fast. Well, we'll plan on taking it in. It's got 70,000 miles yeah, on it, and I didn't know time for a little service anyway. need to have it flushed, to service. To yeah, I would change idea. that coolant, but I'd locate the leak first, fix the leak, change the coolant, bleed it out properly, and you, that'll go away. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Thank you. 499-9526. number of you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Chris who's been online. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Tom, good morning to y'all. Yes, sir. I've got a 2011 F-150 uh-huh. that I've neglected to rotate the tires on. Okay. So the front tires are pretty bald. My question is, I was considering buying two tires. Yes, sir. And then buying the other two later down the road. Yes, sir. The, your opinion on that versus buying a full set? It's always better to buy four at one time, but if you just can't afford it, you can't swing it right now, you can buy two at a time. What I would recommend to you, Chris, contrary to common belief, if you buy two new tires, the new tires go on the back and the backs come to the front. And I know everybody's going to tell you different, but they're wrong. That's just the way it has to be. In fact, if you go on my website, click on Michelin tires and there's a link that says buying two tires. There's a video on and you can watch that video and they'll show you why that's important. But if you want to bring the backs to the front, put two new tires on the back, maybe seven, 8,000 miles down the road, you kind of do for your first rotation, bring the backs to the front, put the new on the back again. That serves as your first rotation. It's kind of a way to break the costs up. But, I mean, it's always best to have four good matching tires, but not everybody can plank down the money at one time. And what you need to do, too, is look at those tires and see how they're worn because lack of rotation shouldn't have worn them out. Now, it's going to wear them some. It's going to chop them and, and things like that, but it's not going to wear them out. So if the tires are worn off to one side or something like that, you need to check the alignment, have the alignment checked yeah, on Yeah, wheel alignment. If it's worn off, like the inside edge is worn off or the outside edge is worn off and it's not worn on the other side, you know, irregular tire wear. Even if it's driving straight in the wheel center, it's out of alignment. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, Chris. All thanks for right, calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And we got Joe online. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. I called you about a month ago. I was on my way to Houston. I told you my speedometer was erratic yes, on a uh-huh. 2005 GMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard you talking to the guy just now about the stepper motors going bad. Yes, well, I knew that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a place in Houston that will rebuild all of them or put new ones in. Yes, sir. In fact, right. better yeah. ones. For like $125. Yeah, there's there's lots of people around who do rebuild them. Joe, you just got to watch and make sure that, that you're getting your same unit back. What some of them do is you send one in, they give you a different one back. As long as they're rebuilding yours, you're usually going to be right. pretty good off because okay, well, not all of them are the same, and you can get some incompatibility going if you get a replacement unit. Okay, well, let me ask you, you said it has to be reprogrammed. Can, you, can I get that No, rebuild? if he rebuilds yours, it will not have to be programmed. Only a new one. Okay. Only a new one. If, if you put the same one back in, the same programs will go with it. We used to do that at Agco, and we just got to where we're so busy, we just don't have time to do right, it anymore. Right, right. But, yeah, no, as long as you're rebuilding your own unit, you can just put it right back in. Okay, and it doesn't have to be reprogrammed. No, sir, not if you put the same unit back. Okay, man. All righty. Thank you. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number, and we're going to catch as many of these calls as we possibly can. we got Kevin online. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Lewis. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. I have a 2002 Jeep Liberty. Uh-huh. I brought in, was sold the, the CV joints and ball joints needed replacing. Okay. Uh, because it was kind of a clanking sound when, okay. when it four-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So we replaced the CV joints and the ball joints. The noise is still there. Okay. Now I was told it's the, the transfer case. 
Well, see, the first thing I would do, Kevin, is go back to whoever told you that that was going to fix the problem, and I just politely say, told me this was going to fix it, and the noise is still there, so now what are you going to do? Okay. If you take it to Agco and we tell you this is going to fix it and that doesn't fix it, then it's on me. I'm going to fix it for whatever it costs me to fix it for the same price because that was my diagnosis. Now, if you went in and told him, hey, change this and change this, and he changed it and didn't fix it, well, shame on you because you misdiagnosed it. But if he diagnosed the problem and told you that was going to fix it and it didn't, then I would be taking it right back. Now, to look at some different scenarios, does it only make noise when it's in four-wheel drive? It makes every time you put it in four-wheel drive, it'll make noise immediately. Okay, but not in two-wheel drive? Well, in two-wheel drive, you'll have to drive about 40 miles, and then it'll start making the the same noise. Is it the same exact noise, or maybe two different noises? Sounds the same. same? Mm -hmm. See, the reason I'm asking you that is because ball joints and CV joints are turning whether it's in two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made sense to change all that. Kind of doesn't make sense as it starts doing it down the road. I don't know. I'm not sure they got the right diagnosis yet. I think I would get that to somebody else, and I would bring it to someone who can check it and tell me for sure, hey, this is it. And if it's not it, then what are you going to do about it? That kind of a thing. It's possible it could be the transfer case, but it kind of doesn't make sense. Why does it start doing it in two-wheel drive after you drive a ways? It's not like it gets good and gets bad. Transfer case is bad. How does it get good when you put it in two-wheel drive? Okay. And why well, does it get bad after you drive it a while? But just a, a general question about transfer cases. Yes, Say it is the transfer case. Mm-hmm. Would it be worth trying to rebuild it or just replace it? We rebuild them at Agco. I mean, we take them apart, change the bearings, change the chain. There's an encoder motor on it you may have to change. If you can find a replacement at a lower cost, let's say you can find a used one with low miles for $500, then I'd probably do that because it would cost more than that to rebuild yours. But you can't get a new one. You can only get rebuilt because even if you go to Jeep and buy another one, you're getting a rebuilt one. The only way to get a new one is buy a new truck. But your options are going to be either go to a salvage yard, try to find a used one with low mileage, or have someone rebuild the one you've got, or okay. buy a rebuilt one. All righty. Well, All righty. I appreciate it. Luke. Okay, Kevin. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would love to have you. we got time for another call. Yeah, he says we got a thumbs up there. I think it was a thumb he was sticking up at me. <laughs> <laughs> we got Bobby on line. Good morning, Bobby. I hope it was a thumb. I'm telling you, buddy, huh? Anyway, just one thing quick, y'all. The guy that called in and said the car show in New Roads was this weekend. It's not. Okay. It's next weekend, March oh, okay. 16th. Okay, well, good. Thanks for the correction you on that. Buddy, I, I ask a lot of guys to listen to your show, and if they go to wrong day, they'll take it out on me. There you go. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys have a great week. Thanks, Bobby. All Bye-bye. Right, I ain't going to give out the number again because just totally out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning. Of course, every Saturday morning in Automotive Hour. We'd like to also thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to iTunes, give us a written rating. We really appreciate that. That's right. Or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're at. Most services allow you to give a rating. And we appreciate uh, good ratings because that kind of moves us up and... It's just easier to listen to. Yeah, that's right. When you type in car show or automotive show or whatever, what comes up is kind of based on how many ratings, how many positive ratings they have. Okay. So when we get ratings, it tends to move us up, and so more people can hear us, which accomplishes what we're trying to accomplish, which is get out there. It also makes our day. I always love, the first thing I do is go out there and look around and look at the ratings whenever I get a new rating. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to tell how much we appreciate all the folks who call us from out of town today. Sure. We like to hear from you. Yeah. If you live out of town, you listen to us on podcast, whatever why don't you go on live feed sometime go ahead and give us a call all you have to do is add a 225 to our number and you can get to us from anywhere in the united states and we always really appreciate hearing from you we do there you go (laughs) (laughs) hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend